Did you know that your joy is connected to your belief? There's more to that sentence now. I want you to hear it. Your joy is connected to your belief or understanding of your portion in this life. And if you don't have joy, it's because you don't realize that God has a portion that he set aside for your life. Not just wealth, but other things. All things, in fact. Where, where would be the worst place to be today? I mean, you know, really, you couldn't say the graveyard would be the worst place to be. That would be the ultimate out of, the, out of this life, but it wouldn't be so... How many of you believe on the other side of dying is, is absolutely marvelous anyway, you know, heaven? But what would be your worst place to be today? Somebody said jail. Prison or in, in, jail, in, in a hospital with some disease that medical science could do nothing about? Prison, I think I heard that more than anything, jail or prison, in, in a situation like that. I want you to hear this. Do you remember that Joseph was in prison? The worst place that the general consensus, most of us would agree, would be one of the worst places to be. Joseph was in prison. And, and of course, you know, some people had some dreams and they were upset about it. And, and, and Joseph asked them, said, why is your countenance down? Number why are you not happy? Yes. Now, wait a minute. Now, he was a prisoner. Yes. And he said to the other prisoners, why aren't y'all happy? Because mm-hmm. he was operating in a spirit of happiness. You know why? Because he had learned never to let his circumstances Woo! dictate to him what his wow. portion was. Ooh, he knew good. what his portion was and he knew where he belonged. And he had a joy in the middle of being in prison that, that most people never experience outside of the prison. Amen. Amen. And for the believer, that ought to be the regular, normal norm for us. This morning, I'm going to start a series based on the fact that you have potentials, higher potentials that you've never reached. And that's for every one of us in this place today. There are higher potentials, more abilities to do things and to accomplish things than what you've ever realized about yourself. The devil has robbed us of the spiritual side of things. Therefore, like I said, we don't factor God in And we don't understand how a miracle or how a breakthrough could come because we don't know the God of miracles. We go to church and say that we do, but a lot of times we have no confidence in Him. And it's it's not your fault all the time. It's it's society. There was a textbook that used to be the main textbook for the United States school system. And it's, of course, before we were United States of America. And it was called the New England Primer. Primer, some people called it Primer. New England Primer is how it was pronounced. It was introduced by Benjamin Harris in 1690. It was a textbook for studies at school, and it talked about God, and it talked about creation, and it put everything about the spiritual in that, and that was the textbook. And there's not one person here today that studied under that book because that was taken out of our schools in the year 1900. Because when the new one came out in 1900, passed by legislation of evil men that didn't want God in the nation, you know what they're like today. You see, you see their, uh, the people that are like that today trying to get more and more God out. And they wanted to make it illegal for you to try to put God in. And it took years, but it eventually got there. Prayer was taken out of school in 1960. Things began to happen. And now we have textbooks that all it leaves for us is the scientific. And the scientific has to be explained because they left God out. And they have to come up with theories and they have to come up with things. And that's what they teach us, theories. And, and so now we've got whole generations that have been taught to leave God out of the realistic part of life. And so because of that, we've lost our comprehension that we have abilities that we can do better than just the little job that we work. And and we don't realize that we can have better health. We don't realize that we can have a better future. And so we have to be challenged 
in order to take this because the devil's robbed us of this spiritual stuff. So we have to have a series like I'm going to start teaching you today. And this series is going to be entitled, I Dare You. I Dare You. I Dare You. To dare someone is to challenge somebody. And challenge is to prove. See, in other words, if I dare you to do something, I'm not talking about immature challenges. You can, you can go online and find 50 dares to give at a party and not one of them makes sense to the natural mind. They're all stupid stuff. But here's the thing I want you to understand. A dare is a challenge to prove what's really in you. See, a lot of things you don't know that's in you. See, proof is a Bible word. You remember when David was a little boy and he had killed the lion and he killed the bear? Gary, remember all that? And then he got this opportunity because he saw this giant that was ridiculing the armies of God and defiling the armies of Israel. And he was just a teenage boy and said, why are they letting that guy, that uncircumcised giant, talk like that to our armies and talk about our God like that? And they were all shaking. The army, the soldiers were shaking in their boots, hiding in their tents. King Saul, who stood about seven feet tall himself, was hiding in his tent, scared of this giant this champion of the Philistines. And David, just a little teenage boy, said, I'll go out and do that. I'll fight. I'll take that man's head off. Well, they finally let him talk King Saul into doing it because Saul hadn't found a soldier that would do it. Now here's a teenage boy wanting to do it. And so Saul brought him into his tent and started putting his... Now, now think about David. I don't know how tall he was, but let's just say he was about average height as a teenager. Let's just say about five foot ten, maybe something like that, average height. Saul was over seven feet tall, King Saul. Now, the giant was somewhere around 11 feet tall, but King Saul himself was over seven feet tall. Have you ever, you ever seen a guy that tall? You ever been down on the basketball court real close when they play? We had a, we had a guy that played for Auburn one time, came to our school on a holiday with, with a friend, came in from school. His name was Marmaduke. He was from, Frank, you remember where? Somewhere in Africa, but I can't remember, Nigeria. And uh, he was, oh, I don't remember how. I remember, though, when David, when he walked in the doorways of the old facilities over there, six foot eight opening, just like any normal door opening, you know, Wayne, six foot eight, right? Carpenters, y'all know what I'm talking about? Six foot eight, right? He came in, he'd have to do this number to come in those doors, you know. And I'm telling you, it's kind of amazing. Now, King Saul stood like that, but yet he was afraid of the giant. And when David talked him into it, he started trying to put his seven foot size armor on to little teenage David, yeah. And remember what David said? Yeah. No, no. He said, man, I, cause can you imagine this stuff? On, he's walking around like this. I'm going to go find a giant. He said, I haven't proved this. Okay. I haven't proved this. I don't know what I can do in this kind of thing. I ain't going to go face an 11-foot giant in something I'm not familiar with. That's like, like taking, Calvin, you're a weapons man. That'd be like taking a brand new weapon that you've never, doesn't even look like a regular weapon. I don't mean it looks like a normal weapon. Now, you know, most guns you could probably figure it out just by looking at them. And if you had that kind of experience. But this, let's just say this is something you, you don't even know. And they say, here, now you're going to go fight a battle with this. Wait a minute, I don't even know what the, what the chamber is. I don't know how to aim. I don't know how to do this. And that's why David felt in this. He said, I haven't proved this, but I have proved my slingshot. I have proved my staff. In other words, let me go with the things that I've proved. Well, there's a lot of things in our life because we've never proved them, we're not comfortable with them. And so there's challenges, there's dares that I want to give you today that we're going to, we're going to center up on one right quick, but there's a challenge that I want to give you to begin to decide you're going to, let, let me get, let me tell you what I'm going to talk about over the next few weeks. We all handle this. Yes, amen. Listen to this. Over the next few weeks, I want to talk to, about daring you to be the most healthiest person in, in the world. Amen. How would you like to be the healthiest person in your family amen. or the most wealthiest? That's what we're going to talk about today. Amen. How would you like to be the biggest giver that the world's ever seen about or the one with the greatest faith? Yes. Amen. Well, I'm going to challenge you to be the biggest lover. Come on, amen. Most highly favored. How many, how many would take a challenge to be the most highly favored person on amen. your job? Good. Amen. The one with the greatest hope and the one, yes. the most intrepid of all, the most fearless of all. Yes. 
And God's going to give us the opportunity to talk about some of these things, but I want to get, get this into your spirit today. If you don't ever take the challenge, you don't ever take the dare, you won't ever prove what God's really put in you. You won't know. You know, you can have a car, an automobile, go buy a new automobile, and let's just say it's got, you know, what size engine and all this kind of stuff, and it's got fuel injectors, and it's supposed to do zero to 60 in so many seconds, or zero to 100, and, and I don't know what they are. Y'all have to help me, but just fast. But you may not know that until you're in a situation where you have to try it. You know, James asked me the other day, he said, Dad, I, I got a question. I said, what is it? He said, why do they put 120 on the speedometers if the speed limit's only, you know, 60 or whatever? I said, that's a good question. Every teenager just want to know that since the dawn of cars. Why did they make them to go that fast if you can't do it? Well, you might not know until you prove it. You know, somebody said, I don't know. Now, this is a little four-cylinder car. Nowadays, you can buy a four-cylinder car. Not like four-cylinders used to be. They're geared different now. You can't tell you're driving a four-cylinder a lot of times nowadays. But you might say, oh, I've just got a little four-cylinder, so I'm not going to put it to the test. You know, I, I could pass this car, but, you know, it's only, I, I can't see too far up there, about a mile. And I don't know if I could make that. You know, you all know what I'm talking about? And then you get in a situation, you ever got in a situation where you had to prove it? Right, yes. You proved what the engine could do. Now, that's what I'm going to get you. If you'll take some dares that God gives us in his Bible, you're going to prove some things that are really in you that you didn't know were in you. And if you'll, if you'll begin to see that, it'll make a different person out of you. We'll ultimately have a different church when we take those kind of dares. So I, I'm going to give you these dares today. I'm, I'm going to start it today. We won't get to one of them. But I dare challenge you to prove the courage that you really have in an area that you didn't know that you had. Don't, not just prove it to others, but to prove it to your own self, what you're really capable of when you take God's challenges. And I want to point out again, like I said, not the world's crazy childish dares. We put away childish dares and childish things. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about dares that will challenge you to push you to your greatest hour. Say amen to that if you can see that. Your greatest accomplishments as a Christian are still ahead of you if you only understood it. After all, our God's great, and if God's so great, why shouldn't we be, right? Those of you that have come from a home of poverty, a life of poverty where you never had enough, I'm going to challenge you to have the qualities of Howard Schultz. That's the man that started out, listen, he grew up in a housing complex for the poor, and today he's the CEO of Starbucks and has 2.9 billion dollars net worth. Wow. But he grew up in the in a poverty-stricken area with nothing. But see, he had the courage to step out. I was reading something one time that a person said, you know, all financial challenges require bravery to step out into that area. Amen. You know, you have to do that if you ever want to step out into a raise. So I, so I challenge you, if you've come from a poor background, to just say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to develop courage in my life to step out and believe that God could do something great in my life. And I'm not limited to what I grew up with. I'm limited to everything that Father has available to me, made available to me through my covenant with Him. I challenge you mothers since this is Mother's Day, and I mean this is for everybody, and young mothers and hurting mothers and separated mothers and just, you know, single moms or whatever it may be. And this, this could go for single dads, single parents. doesn't make any difference. But I'm challenging every parent that's in this room today is to make your life so worthwhile and so exciting that your children could build upon that life. Amen. Those of you that are carrying financial inheritance from a generation before you and you're enjoying spending that money, I challenge you is to do something with your life so great that people will point to you rather than the generation before you. If you've been sick and weak in your body, I challenge you to just say, I am strong in the Lord. The Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. And I challenge you to become the strongest person that you've ever met in your whole life. Somebody say amen. And, and, and I, I give this one to my son who's working in the, in the class today you know, with the children. 
And I, I thought I wrote this one down for him, but you'll have to just take it yourself. Is I challenge all the freshmen to make the varsity team. Amen. You know, just say, I don't have to wait till I'm a senior. I can do it this year. I can, and you can do it. You can do it. And he did. I'm proud of it. I dare you to make life obey you. Make life obey you rather than you just going with the flow. Charlie Rich wasn't right. We don't just go with the flow. We create the flow. Amen. Amen. Make life obey you. To all the grandfathers and grandmothers that are in this room today, I, I just dare you to get a plan that's so big that it'll crown the latter years of your life more than anything you've done in your past. Don't, don't, just, don't just finish out life with a retirement. Finish it out with something bigger than what you've ever done before. Those of you that say that life is boring and uninteresting, I challenge you to start a fight with something. I was reading after a man one time. He said, you just got to do something. Maybe just break a window, but do something. And I thought, man, that, that would have worked with me when I was a kid. Breaking a window was pretty exciting. But see, most of us sit around waiting on something to happen. But challenges, listen, I I'm on, I'm on you to write this down somewhere today. Very quickly, I want you to make note of this. Is what happens in your life is not up to God. What happens in your life is up to you. Now, it's not apart from him. Don't misunderstand me or mistake how I said that. But what I'm saying is if it was up to God, we'd all be successes. That's right. Amen. But see, it's up to us, and that's why so many of us are not. That's why we're failing. That's why we're not where we're supposed to be. Where you end up in your life, where you go in your life is not up to God. It's up to you to take the challenges or the dares that he puts in front of you. And what are you going to do with them? See, the Bible says that he sets before us life and death. That's the extremities. Life and death and everything in between. And then he adds this. He says, this is Deuteronomy. He says, therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live because the decisions that you make for your future today, the decisions you make this morning, are going to affect, ultimately affect your children. That's right. Amen. Because they're going to see what you do. And just like those children that spoke this morning on the video, they're going to see what you do as a mother. They're going to see what you do as a father. And they're going to follow your lead. If you'll notice in church, if you're not much of a worshiper, your children aren't either. Amen. They follow your lead. They'll always follow your lead. So I, I dare young mothers, make your life a masterpiece. So your children can build upon it. But anything that's got you bound... Anybody that's in slavery today, I challenge you and dare you to become a king Amen. and say, I am not going to let this thing control me. I'm going to control it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I dare you to become kings in this world. Amen. Catch a passion for a richer life. That's where we're, where we're going today. How can you do that? Why, with any of these challenges and dares, just little things I brought up, things I'm going to talk about over the next seven weeks, but any of these dares, if you took them, why can you do them? How could you do them? How could you ever accomplish them? Well, this is the reason why, because Jesus said you're the salt of the earth. Yes. And he said you're the light of the world. Salt of the earth, say it with me. Say, I'm the salt of the earth, I'm the salt of the earth. and I'm the light of the world. In other words, Jesus evaluated you and looked at you and said, you're important, you're valuable, you're big. The world wouldn't make it without you. If the salt loses its Savior, what good would it be? Amen. You're the light of the world. If there was no light on this planet, what good would it be? You are the light of the world, he said. You're the salt of the earth. Amen. He's got more confidence in us than what we've got in ourselves. Amen. And so there's, there's in you already what it takes. I mean, just think about Jesus who lives on the inside of you. Amen. The greater one that's on the inside of you today is screaming out, let me help you today to accomplish something. You say, I'm too old. He said, I in you am not too old. Amen. You say, but I'm too weak. And the Lord reminds us. Joel says, let the weak say I'm strong. He wants to co-labor for a miracle with you today. Amen. Amen. What should we say to all these dares? Here's what we should say, Paul says. We should say, if God be for us, who can be against us? 
If God's on our side, who could be against us and stop us? So believe in your destiny. This is the first thing I wanted to show you. I want you to believe in your own destiny today. Amen. This destiny is found in Deuteronomy 28, 13. This is your destiny Amen. as a believer, as a child of God. God says, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Amen. You shall be above only and you shall not be beneath as long as you hearken to the commandments of the Lord your God. Do what he says, in other words. But you, of course, you certainly got to obey him. That's a big thing. We're going to spend time talking about that every one of these services coming up. But look again at the part that's underlined. Say this with me. Say, this is my destiny. This is my destiny. The destiny of the Lord for you is to make you the head, not the tail, above only, and you'll not be beneath as long as you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Listen to these other translations. The Amplified says, the Lord will make you the head, the leader, and not the tail, the follower. In what? In your field. In your family, in your field, in your dreams, in your goals. Amen. The leader, not the follower. I like that. The CSB version says, you will only move upward and you'll never move downward. Amen. Retirement years are not to be a downward fall. It ought to be your greatest accomplishments. Amen. There was a man sitting in front, sitting working at the railroad station right here in Jasper, Alabama several years ago. And he was getting old and it, you know, it had worked that railroad for a little while. And he thought, what can I do? And I don't, I won't go into all the story of it, but it eventually wasn't, didn't happen all just right here in Jasper, but that's what he was doing one day. Eventually he retired from the railroad and didn't know what to do. But what, what sparked this man? He got his first retirement check. His first retirement check in the day he got it was $62. Now, that was, to, that was to take care of him. He sat on his front porch when the mailman delivered that, and he said, you mean that? Now, he wasn't living in, y'all going to get excited thinking about Jasper. He wasn't living in Jasper when this happened, but he worked here for a while. And he looked at that retirement check, and he said, that, the government thinks I'm going to live off of that for the rest of my life? He said, forget that. I'm selling chicken. And that was Colonel Sanders that started Kentucky Fried Chicken. And his latter years, retirement years, was his greater glory years. You'll move upward, never downward. Say it again. That's my destiny. Contemporary English Bible says, the Lord will make you the head of things, not the tail. You'll be at the top of things, not at the bottom. Amen. Think about moving forward and always being ahead of things. CEV version says, you'll be a leader among the nations and you will not be a follower. You'll be wealthy and powerful, not poor and weak. Amen. Say it again. That's my destiny. And, and one more in this, look at the living Bible. He said, you'll always have the upper hand. Now that's how God expects us to live. So the wealthiest... Of, of anybody that you've ever known in your family is what I want to talk to you today. I want to dare you to become wealthy in Jesus' name. And so we're going to look at some scriptures on this. I was reading a story about a man by the name of R.G. Letourneau. Now, he lived a long time ago, 1888. He died in 1969. I was 10 years old when he died. He was one of the Christian industrialists in this country, in this nation, in the early industrial age. He dedicated his life to being what he called himself, being a businessman for God. He was hugely successful. He designed and developed his own earth-moving equipment. He was the maker of nearly 300 inventions and 100 patents in his lifetime. He succeeded. Now listen to this. It's powerful. I love it. He's, he succeeded, of course, financially. And he increased his giving into 90% of his income. You know how some people struggle and they're not tithers and they wonder why God's not blessing them? Right. Listen, I don't even counsel people that's not tithers because it don't take a lot of time to counsel you. You're having problems? Are you a tither? No, I'm not a tither. There's your problem right there. You're cursed with a curse. So there's nothing else I need to share with you. You need to get that right. No, no, Brother James, but I'm having trouble in my body. The devil just keeps... Wait, the Bible says if for a tither, God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And so you're having the devourer devour you. You know what? That's what arthritis is. It's a, it's a, it's a germ. They found out now it's a, actually a germ that's actually devouring your joints. 
and the, the Lord said he would rebuke the devourer. So you don't, you don't need me to counsel you on why your healing didn't come. You're just not a tither. That's all you need to know. You need to get into the blessing of God. Amen. Say amen to that. You say, well, I don't understand why God's not moving me up into this place of destiny. How come I'm struggling? How come I'm working all these years on the same job? Some of you sound like, you remember Jacob when he worked? all those years for his uncle Laban. But you remember how he worked for all those years? And he finally told him. Now, Jacob was about 90-something when he, when he got tired of working for this man. And he looked at him and he said, Look, I worked 14 years to get your daughter. And then he said, I worked another six years to try to get some cattle, and I have absolutely nothing and don't have anything to show for it. I ought to be rich by now. And that's where a lot of you are today saying, I've worked this job, I don't know why. Listen, if working a job would make you rich, every person in this, that, that if you're a worker, would be rich. Now, if you're lazy and you don't work and you're wanting to live off, listen, I'm telling you, the stupidest thing this government ever did was give people welfare checks that don't need it. Right. Amen. Now, don't misunderstand me. I mean, if you had to have it and you was feeding your child, I understand that. But because you're too lazy to work, Benjamin Franklin said it would be the ruin of this nation. He said that way back before you was born. Before you even knew what a kite was. Benjamin Franklin already said it. But the idea is if you're a worker and working was going to get you rich, you'd be rich. Working hard. Let me tell you, this is for somebody today because the Holy Spirit just told me to say it. The only thing that working hard has got you is heart trouble. Now, I don't know who that's for, but but the Lord knows it. You've got heart trouble because you've wore yourself out physically. Now, the God in you can renew and restore the heart. But that's not how you get wealthy. How you get wealthy is listening to God, obeying Him, and taking the dare to say, okay, if He wants me wealthy, I'm going to be the wealthiest person on this planet. My family ain't never seen anybody as wealthy as I'm going to be. My church family's never seen. Well, this man, this man, Brother Trudeau, he, he made this thing where he said, I want to be God's businessman. And every time that God would increase him, he would begin to give more than just the 10%. Before long, he was given 20, 30, 40. And he moved himself up to giving 90% of his income away and living off the 10%. Of course, in the early 1900s, he was a multimillionaire. But he, you say, well, I'd, I could live off 10% too if I was a millionaire. But that isn't how he got there. He got there when he started tithing off his nickels and his quarters and his dimes. You see, he was tithing off the little and God began to bless him and move him up to a higher place. And listen to what he said because he just kept people asking him. They said, why do you keep giving so much away? He said, I shovel out money. And God shovels it back. But God, he said, has a bigger shovel. So decide that God wants you to be rich. Being rich is part of your covenant with him. Make that decision. Get past all the traditions of men that says God wants to hold you back, doesn't want you to have money, wants you to be broke, wants you to live on some kind of limited income. Get rid of all those ideas. Even wealthy people sometimes think that rich is is a shame, a shameful to be rich. Sometimes people hide it. I, I, knew, I knew people, I've known people over the years that they had a lot of things and they would, before they'd go in certain places, they'd take off their watches and their rings and they would hide their wealth because they thought it was a shame. Now, the reason for that, and I've heard people say this over the years and just take a side note to tell you, because if you'll listen to what I've got to tell you today, you'll come out with a better income for the rest of your come life. Woo, this um, idea, and I think this is the number one thing that people are going to have to get over is this scarcity mentality, like the earth don't have very much resources. And for you to get wealthy would mean it would have to take from somebody else for you to have something. Now, somewhere you're going to have to get out of that idea. Dale Carnegie, the steel man, anyway, you're a steel man. And, and he had become a, was the first man to become a billionaire in this nation. Now, a billion dollars. And he was in his office one day working and had a, a man that was there negotiating some things with him. And the man made a statement to him, said, he was a socialist, this man that came in, socialist, communist, socialist. 
like some of the government people today that are trying to bring socialism into our nation. And he said, I think it's wrong, the socialist said to him, said, it's wrong for you to have all that money, a billion dollars for one man. He said, it's wrong for you to have that. And of course, if you knew him, Carnegie, he took care of his, his employees big time and took care of those that helped him make himself great because he, he always said, it wasn't me that did this, it's my employees that did it for me. And so he had a billion dollars. And this, this socialist said, this communist man said, you ought to get rid of that wealth. You ought to divide that. It ought to be divided equally. And he just kept on about it. He said, it's wrong for you to carry a billion. You ought to divide that equally with everybody on this planet. And Carnegie said to his secretary, didn't have calculators like we do today, you know, had to do everything by hand. Said to it, his secretary sitting over there said, uh, take, my, take my amount of wealth, divide it into the population of the earth right quick. And she came up with it and how much each person should have if they had some of his. And he looked at it and said, all right, give him his 19 cents. <laughs> give him his 19 cents. Let him go with his share. No, the idea that there's a scarce mentality on this planet, not enough to go around, is, is wrong. God put enough on this planet and access to heaven's yes. resources yes. to get anything that anybody would ever believe for and any person can excel as high and as far Amen. as they want to go. Anybody Amen. can. Amen. The limit is what we're thinking. Yes. You know, a lot of times people say, well, it's limited resources. Do you know that it's never been a nation's setback financially based on their lack of resources? A lot of times people say, well, we're running out of resources. No. You know, you know what's kept people in the dark, what's keeping people broke financially? The idea is it's not been the lack of resources that God's put on the planet. It's been the lack of human ingenuity, yeah. imagination, and thought. Right. You know what? When, when, listen, in the early 19th century, 1800s, when whale blubber began to be hard to find, hard to come by whale blubber, that's what they used oil for their lamps and all that, somebody had the idea, maybe we should use that black gooey stuff that comes out of the ground in Texas. <laughs> and there was no more shortage. So there wasn't a shortage. Man had just not thought about oil from the ground. There wasn't a shortage of it at all. And, and you know, one of the most in, in, uh, innovative things today, one of the most dynamic things today is the microchip. Mm. What's the resources that make them? Silicon, mm. which is basically sand. Wow. Some of the greatest things that we have on the planet today are made out of common resources wow. that you've got more of than what you've got wow. any idea. And so it's the same way with wealth. It's your, it's your imagination that's lacking. Wow. It's your thought about breaking out of this financial. You, see, you say, I don't see how God could ever make me rich, Brother James, because my check, I ain't talking about your check. That's right. Amen. Well, see, my education level, I'm not talking about your education that's level. Right. Amen. There, was, there was a man I was reading about the other day. His name was David. He was a tither. He was in a church just like this. And he just loved Jesus, you know, and he was tithing. Had a little job working at a, at a local lumber yard. And he was making, I th I've forgotten what he was, anyway, making a fair pay. He was a single dad. And just, you know, he, he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, you know, if I've moved up as far as he could in that lumber yard. He said, Lord, if I could do better. But he said, I'd have to go back to school, get a better education. He said, I don't have time to do that. I don't know how you'd ever make time. You know, God's got a way of making time. That's right. Amen. He said he went back two days later and they called him all in the cafeteria and laid him off because of the poor economy. And he said, well, God, I guess that's my time to go back to school. And, <laughs> He said, I don't know how to do it. Two weeks later, he was in his first class, and he got his first, another week after that, he got his first check of, uh, what do you call that when you laid off? Uh, unemployment. unemployment check. Got his first unemployment check, $250. Wow. 
He said, $250. He said, Lord, there's no way I can make it off this. But he took his tithe out, $25. It's not hard to figure a 10% tithe. Yeah. Took his $25 out tithe, gave that to God. And he said, all right, Lord, here I am raising my son and, and sing, as a single dad. Now I'm on this and going to school. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. And he said, that rocked on for a while. Finally, he said, I'm going to, I, I just had to stir God up. He said, all right, God, I'm going to stir you up. I'm going to give $50 out of my 250 and he said, now look at that, God, there ain't nothing left. He finally said, God, I've given you everything. I don't have anything. And before long, he had gotten his, his associate degree and went on, got his degree, you know, another year later. And he said, after he got that, he said, didn't have any job. And he just kept increasing his giving, kept increasing his giving. Lord, I don't know how you're going to take care of us, but you're just going to have to do it. And all of a sudden, he got a job working for Amazon. Praise God. And God put him on there, and he was making a minute. Now, see, what was he tithing? He was tithing $50 a week out of his Social Security check. He wasn't making that much, but he was tithing $50 a week. And God, the first job God gave him, gave him a job for the amount of income of what he was tithing on. So he got $500 a week. He said he stayed there for a little while in IT, you know, worked in that area as an engineer. And before long, he said, with less than a year, he said it was unheard of in that field. They moved me up to, a, I think it was second, whatever it was, first class, whatever. And he said, I went up and doubled my income to $1,000 a week. And he said, another year after that, two years into the program, he said, I was making double that. Now, $2,000 a week, and they gave me a $16,000 truck. He said, I just kept giving. And his advice was, keep tithing, keep going to church, and doing both with consistency. Amen. He said, and God will take care of you. I like that story. Say amen if you can see that as yours. Say, God wants me blessed. But you gotta, you got to look at scriptures like this and make them yours. This is Psalm 35, verse 27. Now, I'm going to read them quick. If you want to jot them down, do, but don't miss reading them with me. So just take a second. You can scribble fast, can't you? Psalm 35, 27. This is Amplified Classic. It says, let those who favor my righteous cause, God said, have pleasure in my uprightness. Let them shout for joy and be glad and say, and say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Now you say that last part I underline. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Now make it yours. Make it personal. Let's just say it like this. God takes pleasure in my prosperity. Now I want you to hear yourself say it. I want you to say it slow enough to hear yourself say it because God's about to do a breakthrough in your life in the area of finances. Say it with me. God takes pleasure in my prosperity. Not in my poverty. Not in my lack. God takes pleasure in my prosperity. See, God created everything and he put man in the garden with all provision. But when Adam sinned, he listened to the lies of the devil. And what happened? As soon as he sinned, curse came. When curse came, he went out of prosperity into poverty. What caused, what made the difference in blessing and cursing? What made the, what was the real difference? Sin. Or we'd say obedience brought blessing. Disobedience brought curse. And then God began to try to work with man ever since then. He said, look, look, obey me. If you'll obey me, I'll prosper you. He said, do what I tell you to do, and I'll prosper you. And this is what he's saying here, favor my righteous cause. First of all, check your own self. Am I favoring your righteous cause? Am I really putting God's work first? Is this the most important thing in my life? That's, that's, that's your ante end of the game. He said, but if you're favoring God's righteous cause, he has pleasure. The rightness of God, things that are right, that's that's the same thing that you see in Matthew where he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. That's right. Deuteronomy 28. Now you've got that? Look what God said he would do for a person if they would just be his. Even after Adam sinned, he said, I can fix it for you if you'll just obey me. Now, I'm not going to take time to read much of this, but I do want to point out a few things. Notice he said in the first verse, it'll come to pass that if you'll hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God and observe to do all his commandments, you can't know his commandments if you're not a Bible reader. That's right. 
Sorry, Brother James, but I don't believe the Bible makes a difference in my life. I don't know why you're sitting on the blue chair. I'm not looking for unbelievers. I'm looking for believers. I, I, that's who I'm after. You say, well, I'm not a believer. Then, then appreciate your visit. But you're not going to be happy with today's message. This don't cater to unbelievers. Unbelievers keep you under the curse. Why don't you obey God? I'll tell you why you don't obey God. You don't believe Him. But you've got to have faith. All right, look what it says for the people that's got faith. It'll come to pass if you'll hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, or in other words, read the Bible, find out what He wants you to do, and observe to do all His commandments, which I commanded this day. God said, I will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. Amen. Notice now, skip over to verse 12, excuse me, 13. This is where I was reading to you a moment ago. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. Right. So back to verse 1, I'll set you on high. And then He says in verse 2, Back to two, all these blessings will come on you and overtake you Amen. if you'll just hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed will be the fruit of your body, the fruit of your ground and so forth. Blessed shall you be your basket, verse five, in your store. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Isn't that powerful? And now all this is good. You ought to read these first 14 verses because they belong to you, just the first 14. 15 on through the rest of the chapter you've been redeemed from. But look at this, go down to verse 11. And get your pen out. If you haven't got this underlined, underline it. And here's what he'll do for people that he blesses. He says, the Lord will make you plenteous in goods. Amen. Now look up on the screen just a minute. We'll stop on that part. You see that where it says, the Lord will make you plenteous in goods? Well, look at it in the Amplified. It says, the Lord will make you have a surplus of prosperity. Amen. Have you ever dreamed about having a surplus of prosperity? That means be able to pay every bill, accomplish every desire, and still have money left over? Amen. I hardly ever, it seems like I go to the store with Susan, hardly ever that I don't get behind somebody that's having to take something out of their buggy, you know, so I can't afford that, can't afford that. And that's an opportunity for you if the Lord tells you now. You know, I mean, you have to learn to hear from God who to bless and who not to. But you want to be the blesser. I'm glad I'm not the one having to do that. Why aren't you? Because I'm blessed. You're blessed. You're the blessed of the Lord. And God says, I'm going to have a surplus of prosperity in your life. I love that. Well, that's not the only. Let's read another translation. The EXB version says, the Lord will make you rich. That's, that's, that's Deuteronomy 28, verse 11. I'll make you rich. And the message, I just love it. The message says, God will lavish you with good things. Isn't that powerful? God's just trying to get people to obey Him. Look at this, Isaiah 119 in the Living Bible. God says, if you'll only let me help you, if you'll only obey me, then I will make you rich. Just takes obedience to do it. Well, God did that for a man by the name of Abraham. We all know that, Abraham. And do you know the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, Lord, do I slow down to say that? Because that's so powerful. Genesis chapter 12, the second verse, don't turn there. Just jot it down if you want to make note. But if you're hungry and you're willing to take the dare to be the richest person your family's ever heard about, to trust that God can do something big in your life, then study this like it's schoolwork. Take notes like you want to make a hundred. My son, James, I mean, I talk about him a lot because I'm still working with him in school, you know. And he used to come home because he's got a tough teacher, man. He, he, got, he had the toughest science teacher last year that anybody could ever have and found out the science teacher's moving up the next year with him. Oh, my goodness. He said, oh, 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 oh. I said, James, because James is like, Daddy, I'm just going to quit school. This, this is me homeschool. I said, I said, look, no. I said, you're going to take your faith and you're going to whip Mr. Pillen's test. You're going to whip his test. Not his butt. You're going to whip his test. Y'all look at me like I was... You're going to whip him. In other words, you're going to defeat him by studying better than he thought you would. 
And you know, James came in, they had three tests on Thursday morning. You know what that means? That means Wednesday night church, because we put first church, yeah, first, always first. Yeah. And so now he's got three tests the next day. One of them was Miss Jones' class. Thank God the kind it was. I won't go into all the details of it. It was an open test. We ain't never wanted to whoop her test. We, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> listen, listen. James came back Thursday. I said, how'd your test go? Uh, how was it? 100 in Miss Jones' class. 95 on the history test and 80 on the science test, which used to be 30s and 40s and, and all that. I said, man, I'm so proud of you. He said, give me some money. I'm going out. I said, no. Uh, 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 yeah, give some money. And I blessed him. Amen. God doesn't even care if you're super wealthy, but you've got to decide that God wants you blessed. You've got to decide God wants you blessed. Make that your final, final decision. I'm not going back on it. I'm going to give you enough scriptures real quickly. I won't take but about just a few minutes to do it. I'm going to run through them real quickly because the one I close with, you're going to be saying, I'm glad I came for that one. Praise God. Amen. So God wants you to be blessed. He's going to lavish you with good things. And in Isaiah, he said, if you'll only listen and only obey me, do what I tell you. In other words, God said, I will direct you and make you rich. But as I said, God did it for Abraham. Look at this on the board, Genesis 13, 2. After God encountered Abraham's life in Genesis 12, 2. That's what it started to tell you. Genesis 12, 2, God said to Abraham and his seed, I will make your name great and I will cause you to abound, Amplified says, with favors and blessings. Right. I'll make you rich, in other words, and I will make your name great. Now, let me tell you something. You need to decide, and this is what this morning is about, is God, not you, but God making your name great. God making your name great and causing you to abound with blessings. If that was for Abraham, you're his seed, when are you going to take what's rightfully yours? And so this one says, Abraham, after he had an encounter with God, God had made him very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. Amen. Now I want you to look at that. Very rich in cattle, in silver, in gold. And you say, well, Brother James, I don't want any cattle. Well, skip the cattle part. And just look at the next part, die hard. Watch this. He says, God made him very rich in silver and gold. Do you understand what silver and gold is? There was, a, there was an Alabama miner several years ago. Many, well, you know when the Yukon gold rush was. But this particular man was a coal miner in Alabama. And, uh, and he heard about the gold, and boy, he took off and made his, made his uh, fortune in gold in the Yukon. And when he did, uh, he got lost in a snowstorm up there one day. I mean, just got lost, and he happened to see what saved his life was some missionaries had put a, a golden cross up on a hill, and it directed his life to it. He said, Lord, if you'll get me out of this snowstorm, I'll give my life to you. He spent the rest of his life being a preacher for God, one of the richest preachers they'd ever seen because he had carried all that gold back. But he was an Alabama man. I like that. Alabama just does it better sometimes, don't we? Can I have any help this morning? God says he, he was very rich. Well, look, at the Amplified Classic brings it out a little bit better. Abraham was extremely rich in livestock and silver and in gold. You're Abraham's seed. When are you going to follow suit? Quit living like a child of the devil. You, you know what the problem is with most of God's people today? We're still wearing our old grave clothes. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the first thing he said was, now loose him and let him go. It means get him out, unwrap him out of those grave clothes. And we get saved with our old grave clothes on of the old life and the old world, and we're still walking around like this, and God's saying, loose him and let him go. And this is the dare for you today, is take the challenge. God wants to make you like Abraham, your father of the faith. And if you don't know that, you're his seed. Write down Galatians 3.29. That's a New Testament verse. 
Galatians 3.29, if you be Christ's, that means if you belong to Jesus, then you're Abraham's seed and you're heirs according to the promise. And here's what he did for your great-great-grandpappy Abraham. He said Abraham was extremely rich in livestock, extremely rich in silver, and extremely rich in gold. Pick as many of those three as you want. In Genesis this is where Isaac, Abraham, then his son Isaac. Now, Isaac did what you and I are supposed to be doing. Isaac went in a place of famine. Now, watch this very closely today. We're just seeing that God wants to make you rich. I could tell you a lot about it. He don't want you to do it the greed way. I'm going to have to take other weeks to do that. I can't do that this morning. You know not to do it by greed. If you do it by greed, you won't be rich at all. You just have a whole lot of money and a lot of enemies. We're not talking about doing it by greed. We're talking about doing it God's way. Not falling in love with money, falling in love with God, letting Him make you rich so you can be a blessing to people. If you ever learn to, that your wealth is so that you can be a blessing to others, your life will become extremely higher than it's ever been. Well, this is Abraham's son, Isaac. Isaac was in, first of all, Isaac was in a place and the famine hit. And he said, I'm going to do like Abraham did, my daddy did. I'm going to go to Egypt where they're not in famine. And when he started to go, God said, no, 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 stay right here in the famine land. And he said, why have I got to stay in the famine land? And what was God doing? He was saying, look, if you go down to Egypt, you'll give credit to Egypt. You'll say Egypt took care of you. And, and he said, I want you to stay right here in the famine and watch me take care of you in famine. And here's what God did for him in famine. The Bible says that he planted his crops. This is another translation than probably what you've got. It says Isaac planted his crops in that land in the same year of famine and he reaped a hundredfold on his crops because the Lord had blessed him. The main, now, now, you're not supposed to reap anything in a time of famine. But he did because God blessed him and he wants to bless you. So I said, well, it's, it's a bad economy time. First of all, the economy is not that bad. Economy is doing a whole lot better than it has in a long time. But the idea I want you to go home with is it doesn't matter whether the economy of the world is up or down because you're not living based on the world's economy. You're based on God's economy, which causes you to be the head and not the tail, always at the top, never at the bottom, keep moving up, never downward, always the leader, never the follower. God's got something bigger for you than you've ever thought. So Isaac did that. He planted his crops. In the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. What do you mean by hundredfold? We just say a bumper crop. He had a bumper crop when nobody else could get a plant to grow. And then it says the man, Isaac, became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. This is what God wants for Abraham's seed and that's who you are. Look, you think that's, you think that's a little tough? Read it in the message. Isaac planted crops in that land. He took in a huge harvest. Now, what do you think a huge harvest is? Do you need somebody to tell you what a huge chunk of change is? I had somebody call me over to their house one day and they gave me a huge chunk of change. It made the, it made the teller when I went to deposit choke. Now, not that she had not seen that kind of money. She just not never seen me with that kind of money. And she's like, hubba, 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 hubba. And I was like, yabba, 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 yabba. You, you got that right. Look at that sucker, man. You better believe it. I'm like, Look at this. God's wanting to do it for me and you. Isaac planted crops. This is the message translation. He planted crops in that land, took in a huge harvest. God blessed him. The man got richer and richer by the day. Now that's God's plan for his children. God wants you to become richer and richer by the day until he was very wealthy. He accumulated flocks and herds. Many men served. I wanted to add all this because I wanted you to see it. Many servants, or many servants rather, so that the Philistines began to envy him. Now I want you just to understand there's going to be people that's going to envy you if you'll take the dare. I'm going to let God who loves me and wants to make me rich, I'm going to let him make me the richest person my family's ever seen. You said, well, my education, it doesn't have anything to do with your education. Now, if God tells you to go back to school, go get it. Right, amen. 
But Sue and I both used to work for a man that, that was a multimillionaire and all he ever knew how to write was his own name. Wow. It not got anything to do with your education. It's got, it's got everything to do with your dream and your belief about yes. yourself, Amen. what God does. So the, in, the Philistines are going to envy you. You better believe the world will start envying you. How many, how many of you, now just be honest, you get your payday, not many people envy you. <laughs> some of you they might to some degree, but how many of you want everybody in town to start envying you? Listen, I want, I want Donald Trump to envy me. Come on, amen. That's right. I'd take the dare. I'm going after it. Here's another scripture. What about Jabez? You ever heard about Jabez? Look what he did for Jabez. This is 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. Don't miss reading now. Just jot fast. You can take short end. 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. That's why he got the name. So he grew up in a, in a rough time, poverty time, didn't have a lot. And look what his prayer was. Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh God, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. Yes, amen. And that your hand might be with me. In other words, everything I do will prosper. Yes. And that you would keep me from evil. No bad business deals. Right, amen that it may not grieve me, and God granted him which he requested. Amen. Now the big deal is, he asked for more, and God said, okay. Amen. In the CEV version where he says, please bless me, in the CV it says, please bless me and give me a lot of land. Increase my borders. A lot of land. Amen. I'm looking at brand new landowners in this house today. Some of you that's own land, some of you are going to get more land, some of you that never owned land can have some land if you'll just believe God. Amen. Landowners. Supernatural deals coming your way. Amen. Now, this is for you if you want more. This indication wasn't that the man didn't have any. He just asked the Lord for a lot more. So if you've got a lot and you've got to own more property than anybody in here, just if you'd like it, just say, Lord, I'd like more. You can always sell it. You can always sell it. But just say, Lord, I'll take more land. And the Lord will give you the same answer he gave Jabez. Okay. Okay. And the Lord granted him his request. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, when we get to the New Testament, we see where Jesus finally came to take care of people. And here's where he came in the New Testament to redeem us and restore us back to what Adam had in the Garden of Eden. Abraham experienced some of it. Jabez experienced some of it. But now we can experience all of what Adam lost. And here it is right here. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that through his poverty you might be made rich. So God really wants to... Some rich people sitting here today, if you'll just receive it. Look at it in the message. In one stroke, Jesus became poor. Come at the cross. In one stroke, he became poor so that we might become rich. Just by Jesus going to the cross, God declares you rich. And if you'll say, I take the dare. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to walk it. Lord, make me as rich as you. Take Look, Lord, if it gives you pleasure to prosper me, Tickle yourself, plum silly. That's what I say. If God gets excited when you get money, then Lord, just get silly about it. Lord, if you enjoy laughing. You know, James, James 17 years old. You know, he's well, 16, 16, almost 17 years old. And, and I'm driving down the road this morning, coming to church. He's sitting over there beside me. And he's still a little kid at heart. He's like, Daddy, tickle my hand. Tickle, tickle your hand. All right, tickle your hand. He said, oh, that feels good. I said, I'm trying to drive. Tickle my hand. Well, you know what I'm saying? Look, you've got a father that wants to tickle your hand. Yes. He wants to do things for yes. you, and it tickles him to tickle you. Yes. Don't Amen. ever forget the Bible says, if you being a natural parent know how to give good gifts yes. to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give good things to those that ask him? His children, that's you. 
Don't ever forget you're a child of the Most High God. Don't ever do that. You, you, everything belongs to you. In one master stroke at the cross, one master stroke of God's hand, Jesus became poor and we became rich. Praise God. Somebody say amen to that if you can receive it. So we go on and on, on. People like Joseph, I mentioned him earlier. Joseph was in prison and he kept his joy up because God took him straight to the top. David was one we could read about, not the time today. Solomon, who had over, worth in today's standard, Solomon had over $100 billion. And that's, that's higher than, than most people today. I, I'm just going to close with this. There's so much more I could read to you. I'm going to hit some of this real quick, but boy, we ain't got the time for it. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 17. It says, charge them. This is New Testament scripture. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches. Never put your confidence in them. Keep trusting God. Amen. Keep trusting God. But trust in the living God who gives us, say it with me, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Lord, divide that today with the ones that said it. Charles Caps, man, he was our friend. He's in heaven now. But Charles Caps, he'd tell you all the time, man, it ain't working for you if you're not saying it. Come on, amen. You got a preacher. You don't. You can't go to a church that'll ask you to say it all the time. Come on, amen. And and I'm giving you opportunity to confess it in. Come on, amen. Read that last part underlined out loud. Make it yours today. God gives me richly all things to enjoy. And I'm telling you what, if it wasn't all things, he'd have to say, except this, and he didn't say it. Everything that the Father has belongs to you. It's powerful. Now look at Psalm 112. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.18, don't, don't turn there, but just remember, Deuteronomy 8.18, it says that he, well, look at the board, I'll just show it to you real quick. Deuteronomy 8.18 says you've got to remember the Lord your God, it's he that gives you the power to get wealth. God wants his people wealthy. Now look at Psalm 112, Psalm 112, this will be our last scripture to look up. Anybody going to come back here different in a week? Amen. Anybody need a breakthrough today? Amen. Devils. You know, you know how the devil keeps people back? The scripture tells us real plainly in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. You know how the devil keeps people from ever advancing and taking the dares of heaven? Think it's worth a while? Uh, I, I met somebody the other day and they introduced themselves to me as I'm a, I'm a professional time biter. You know what that is? Just biding time. And that's the way a lot of Christians are. Watching the clock. When's church over? How can I get out? You know what? And they don't realize God's got something for them. Right, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to take the dare this morning. On, and I'm going, to, I'm going to excel. Are you going to excel yes, with me yes, today? Yeah. All right, look at this. Psalm 112. This is powerful. This is what God said that he'll do for somebody that will believe him. And, and I, did, I wish I'd have wrote this, but I didn't. Psalm 112. You got it? Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man or the woman. That fears the Lord, that has the respect of God, puts God's word first. Blessed is the man that... You say, well, I don't read the Bible, Brother James, because you have no fear of God. And I'm not talking about being afraid of Him. I mean, you have no reverence in Him. You don't respect Him. You don't respect His word. You say, well, I don't ever read the Bible. Then you don't. You don't. I, there's nothing I can do to help you. You can either say, you know what? This is powerful. I, I'm going to let God work in my life. This is the way you do it. I, just, I don't know why God keeps telling me to tell you that, but you've got to understand, I am not trying to help unbelievers today. Amen. My job is to catch you if you're a believer and help you come up to a higher level. If you're an unbeliever, you have to make the decision. I, I can't do it for you. There was a time in my life I was an unbeliever, but I am not an unbeliever anymore. Now look at this. This is our last scripture to read. Uh, look up and read. Psalm 112, he says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the person, the man, the woman, that fears the Lord, puts God first, and delights greatly in his Bible or in his commandments. Delighted to have a chance to read the Word. What will happen for this person? Verse 2 says, His seed... His offspring will be mighty upon the earth and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Amen. Verse 3, rats and roaches will be in his house. 
bills and debts piled up will be in his house. What does it say? Everybody tell me. What does it say? I didn't write it. Come on, tell me. Don't, you're, not, you're not giving me any credit to say this out loud. This is all to God. I don't take credit. I didn't write it. Say it. What does he say will be in your house? Wealth and riches will be in that person's house. And his righteousness endures forever. Under the upright. Every time I read that, wealth and riches be in our house. One time, Susan and I, somebody gave us $10,000 cash one time. And we had not had that much money in a long time. This was a long time ago. And we didn't know what to do with it. And, uh, well, we knew how to spend it, but we didn't want to spend it. We wanted to keep it for a while. So we put it in the freezer. I mean, I'd heard about cold cash. I said, nobody will look in the freezer. Let's just put it in the freezer. And we kept it hot, though. We kept it really hot. That was a lot of money to us back then. What would it take to be a lot of money to you today, Brother James? Try $100,000. See what it does to me. Meet you after class. <laughs> I'll tell you where I put it. Wealth and riches shall be in your house. And now look, under the uprise there rises light, will come in darkness, gracious and full of compassion, righteous. And then verse 5 says, A good man that has this experience will show favor and lendeth. Lendeth means give and help other people. He'll guide his affairs with discretion. And verse 9 talks more about it. He's, he's dispersed. This person is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn shall be exalted. God's not looking for people that will hoard it up on themselves. It's people who just enjoy it. And just say, Lord, I'm gonna, what do you want me to do with it today? Who can I help? And that, you get to enjoy it to yourself, but it's just not all about you. You got, you got to give God checking privileges on the income or he'll never trust you with more. Now, listen, listen you, can, you can fast until you're blue in the face. And if you do not show God you're faithful with a little, he'll never trust you with a lot. That's just his system. His system is if you're faithful over little, he doesn't trust you with a lot. But if you're unfaithful with little, then he knows he can't trust you with a lot. And so you just have to prove your faithfulness why it's small. Say amen if you can see that. All right. So God wants you to have wealth and riches in your house. And he says the upright will be blessed. Now look at the last scripture on the screen right here. This is it. Now I'll let you go home. Isaiah 61.9 in the Amplified says, now I see you right now, and I'm going to wait till you all get there because I want your eyes to see this. Amen. It says their offspring, now this is talking about God's people, Abraham's descendants, you and I. We're his descendants today. Their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants among the peoples. And all who see them in their prosperity will recognize and acknowledge that they are the people whom the Lord has blessed. Amen. Now I want to say that's what's going on at my house today because I'm taking God's dare. This is going on at anybody's house that will receive it. People can look and say that is the people whose God has blessed. The Bible says when he talks about tithing and how he opened the windows of heaven pour you out more than you got room enough to receive. You know, he adds to that. He says that all nations will be afraid of you and call you blessed. They'll say, man, don't mess with them. They got God's blessing on their life. Read, read that underlying part with me and think about you and your own children. All who see us in our prosperity, will recognize and acknowledge that we are the people whom the Lord has blessed. Amen. We are the people whom the Lord. So I dare you, I dare you to start a turnaround today. I, I dare you, if, if you need prayer and just say, I've got to have a breakthrough, Brother James, because I've been that unbeliever. I've just, you know, just stuck in things. Then you don't wait for me to give an altar. I'll run up here to this altar and I'm going to ask Joe to come up and help me pray over you. If you need a breakthrough, stand to your feet. Get rid of all the negative thoughts against you today. This begins. Get rid of every negative thought against your future. Cast it down. Prayer will do that today. We'll, we'll drive that devil off of you if you need it. Negative thoughts holding you back, let us take it and throw it away from you. 
So I dare you to go after God's plans. Let him make you the richest person anybody in your family or your friendships have ever known in Jesus' name. If you'll take that dare. Anybody need prayer breakthrough today?